1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom Dana Carvey, nice enough to join us here. Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Dana, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time today. How
2: are you?
3: Not a problem. Love to talk about my Niners. Damon and Ratto, not Ray, but oh, could be Ray.
2: It is. Sorry.
3: All right. Yeah, uh, yeah 77, and I've I really lived a long time. I feel incredible, and I look amazing. You can ask my wife. But, um, yeah, that was just, um, I was going to San Francisco State, and, you know, I just was trying stand-up. I was bombing. I, the first night I did stand-up at a dive in Berkeley, I thought, I think I could do this. I was watching open micers, and then this, other, this guy came up, and he was extraordinary. I go, I don't know about this. And it was Rob Williams.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I could see how that would be a little intimidating for sure. Do you remember who you beat out for the title in 77?
3: Oh, sure. (laughs) I mean, I think A. Whitney Brown was there. Um, I think um, Mark McCollum was favored. He was a guitar player, impressionist, and he went overtime. You had to have fifteen minutes. I only had five at the beginning of the round, Robin. You would go and do five minutes at different crazy clubs. And then so I had to write a bit to get to fifteen. And I was in the third spot. I won uh over Gil Krishner by three point three of a point or something. It was a lot of luck. And then Robin handed me a five hundred dollar check and Mortal was there.
1: Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. How how um breaking of comedy protocol is it to go over your allotted time um i mean i guess if you're in, killing in, that's in that, a that's, comedy
3: competition it was just that was the rule can't go over 20 you know because it, it was a competition like a reality show and it didn't it just was playing by the rules and mark accident went over but in in if you're a middle act i had a middle act once at cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco do 70 in the late show. He was a middle act supposed to do 30 and he did 70. <laughs> That's a little bit much when you're the headliner <laughs> to follow 70. He goes, was that 70? I go, yeah, it was. <laughs> what preven- that was Rob Becker who did Defending the Caveman. Hi, Rob. He's he's retired in Ross. So.
2: What prevented you from strangling him?
3: I You know, I, I just, I kind of liked him. I, I didn't, you know, it wasn't, If I was auditioning for something, you know, um, you got used to the rough and tumble. Sometimes you'd have uh, club owners that would sabotage you. Could you turn the piano mic up and they would turn it down? You would be doing comedy and then there'd be some dude drunk standing at the edge of the stage. (laughs) And I, I never tried to hold my ground. Some guys would, like, start swinging or take the mic and fight the guy. I always just said, you got it. Go ahead, man. Knock yourself out. So I was just – I had beer thrown at me, Hells Angels attacking. You know, so it, it was just a – it's a rough and tumble
1: sport. Dana Carvey here on Damon and Ratto. And by the way, we're all on the same team. I know the podcast that you do, Fly on the Wall with David Spade, is an odyssey. Uh, Cadence 13, I believe, and Odyssey are the same thing. And and mm-hmm. we're Odyssey, so it's, it's like we all know each oh. other, basically.
3: Uh, it's been an interesting thing, this whole – world which joe rogan and mark Marin kind of at least on the broad stroke started it you know in 2010 or whatever and then it just kept grow- growing and growing still growing so it's just fun to be interviewing your friends uh, over zoom a lot of the time it's the craziest job ever <laughs> it really is you- i mean if you don't even have to leave your house but we do in person sometimes at david's mansion
1: are you a nice, very nice? I, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're living humbly up there in Mill Valley yourself. But uh, look, well, that's one of my homes. Put it that way. Hey. But I, am
3: I'm, I'm not a fancy person. I, I have, I don't, I don't really need much. That's your honest.
2: February home, then. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> have you become <laughs> a better interviewer since you've been doing the show? Um,
3: I'm, I'm. You know, I'm still kind of humbled by it. I know that if you, you you have to prepare and then listen, sometimes it's pulling teeth a little bit, and you're trying to find a narrative, and sometimes you have someone come coming to play, and it's, it's just going, and that that makes it easy. But what you guys do and are doing right now, I get it. You know, We have limited time. What are we asking? You know, I understand what you're going through, but I'm easy. Don't worry. I got nowhere to go.
2: <laughs> okay, as a fan, two important questions. Sure. What, what section did you typically sit in, and did you go to the rim of the stadium and look out over the bay when you smoked your dope, or did you go in the men's room like everybody else?
3: <laughs> uh, my pot smoking days were pretty short-lived, after I started thinking there was someone in the house that I didn't know. <laughs> uh, you know, paranoia is not, not a good feeling, but I did go through a phase. Um, you know, I brought pot to Scatman Carruthers, who was a famous kind of musician who was on a sitcom with me, with Mickey Rooney and Nathan Lane, and um, he had horrible pot. So I did fly with it. I don't This is like 1981. I don't remember it, but I brought it to him because his pot was so bad next day in the elevator, remember, he's from the 1930s, he played, played the ukulele. He goes, the music was good. Might I get a pound? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Might I get a pound? And it was all that sort of illegal stuff, the call is the music, but anyway. So I had my pot smoking days, but I kind of, you know, that tamped down. Was a, was, I, I finally got down to just light beer. See? Of all the little toys. I couldn't do cocaine. I did cocaine once, and I drove to the Holy City Zoo to do comedy, and I thought, why should I go in there? They all hate me. And I drove back home. <laughs> it wasn't a good drug
2: for me. <laughs> uh, well, I was, yeah, I wasn't trying to examine your drug history. I was trying to examine your pot history at Candlestick, because <laughs> that, this, there, that was a second-hand haven back then. Even yeah. when they when they were bad, when they were good, if you could walk... You know, down those aisles and not get a contact tie, you weren't trying.
3: I know. I guess it's a lot stronger now, but yeah, in those days, I would go with my friends. This would probably have been in the 70s. I think it was a buck to sit out for a night game, a Giants night game, and way up in the bleachers in left field. Never been that cold in my life.
1: <laughs> I remember, and, and look, I'm guessing you. I've been reading the sporting green forever, Dana, which is why you know Ray's name. And, and, and I remember Bruce Jenkins wrote a column about the contact high you used to be able to get at Warriors games. Like the the pot was so thick underneath the stands in Bleacher. Before they redid Oracle Arena, I guess it was yeah. a great place to go get a contact high.
3: Well, New York City right now, because I was there in October, you could get a contact high. Uh, open air walking down the street so it's two point it's 2.0 now (laughs) it's a a whole other thing
1: good way to bring back the tourists for sure dana carvey joining damon and ratto here on the uh, bud light guest line who brought you to your first bay area sporting event was it a dad an uncle like so many of us
3: um it probably was a Brandon, his dad, I think it was the Cow Palace to see the Warriors. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe Rick Rick Barry was in there. John Brody uh, gave me an MVP certificate in 1966. I was on a flag football team. He's a famous 49er uh, quarterback. Um, and I caught a pass from Joe Montana.
1: Very cool. Very cool. On Saturday Night Live. I was about to say. And I'm guessing you had a – was Jordan – during with, with, did Jordan host when you were there oh oh, oh yeah Mikey yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> it, it was interesting to see uh
3: like Jordan was you know so charismatic and, and everyone was like you know it was it, he, he really stood out as somebody that was kind of intimidating and I was sitting next to him in the read-through and before it starts he kind of goes he says to me do you golf and I go well occasionally I'm really not very uh, you know I I I don't. I mean, I'd be lucky to break hundred. And then he paused. He's
1: like, he goes, "Well, you're not very good, are you?" <laughs>
3: <laughs> be like, no, I'm not.
1: No, but <laughs> I'm gonna get get your ass through Saturday Night Live on Saturday, so you better treat me right, yeah. Michael. <laughs> so let's talk tea well, times.
3: Well, you know, it was interesting to see someone that brilliant being out of his element and looking at the script and uh, a kind of nervous going into sketches. And I was the one to go, Michael don't worry if you have to just look at the card and read the line you know Christopher Walken did that it worked fine don't put pressure on yourself so you know I, I'm, I'm, we're, I just try to help him as best I could
2: as a 49er fan were you more obnoxious when they were bad or more obnoxious when they were good
3: um, you know, a lot of it, I have three older brothers. So my brother Scott and I ritualized the Niners. Um, you know, it, it's if you really grow up in the Bay area, it's just the Niners, the Warriors, and the Giants. I also have a soft spot for the Raiders, but those are my teams through thick and thin. But when Montana came in and that run came in, my brother, he had a little figure of Joe Montana that was made out of cloth. And on third and long, he would say he would hold it up and say, the power of Joey compels you. And as right as, like from the exorcist, <laughs> the power of Joey compels you. And right as he snapped the ball, he would throw it at the TV on third and long. If Joey scored a touchdown, he had a football helmet filled with beer, and he would pass it around and everyone would have to drink of it. So he ritualized that he's going crazy right now. He lives in Florida with the Niners for crazy just I, I couldn't describe it. There's a lot of lot of them, but he's one of them. Niner, where, niner forever.
1: Dana, forever where guy. where will you be watching this weekend's game?
3: Uh, down in Los Angeles, where where the sports franchises aren't too popular up there.
1: Yeah, that's all um, right. We'll forgive you. That's uh, based on the location. That's okay. But um, when have you have you made it into New Levi Stadium? I have not. No, I, you know, I, I do find
3: myself, um, you know, when you have these new TVs that are gigantic and you're getting, I mean, there's, there's nothing like being there live. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's also pretty crazy on television. How many, in- television now.
1: how many inches are you packing?
3: Uh, <laughs> I like the way that's couched. 120. No, I think I have like, uh, 77. Nice. So, remember, we had these analog TVs, and I feel like I know much more about the sport with all the replays. And I, I'm more in awe of what they're trying to do. Even this year, getting so interested in, because of Brock Purdy, the story of the century in sports. And what quarterbacks do, it's just still, I'm in awe of it. Trying to thread the needle on a pass with people running all around in a split second decision it's amazing isn't it i mean did you play football damon
1: uh, yeah but i was not a uh i was not never asked to throw a football i was just one of the fat kids blocking for the guy who who, who threw the football <laughs> And when I say I, I play
3: football, line, I mean, That yeah. seems like a thankless job. but so necessary.
1: It is necessary. And I, I necessarily didn't have the talent to do anything other than be large. So that's that's what I did <laughs> when I was out there. Uh, what would be, Dana Carvey here with us, what would be the comedic equivalent of a seventh-round rookie quarterbacking a Super Bowl appearance? Like, what what would be the comedy equivalent of what Brock Purdy is doing? Sheesh.
3: That's a good question. It's
1: almost like
3: someone—not quite, but almost like an open micer on like his first night—and there just happens to be a camera there and records this, you know, award-winning special. I mean, he did have forty-eight games or fifty games or some Iowa State, but um, it, it's just a remarkable story. I can't wrap my mind around it. I, I really am just, you know, I, I'm still in awe of the, what happened to the Niners because I was like once garoppolo went down okay season's over it's okay he's a rookie he's gonna throw three interceptions it's all right it's nerves and then and then this has happened i mean you guys have been covering sports for a while this is like rudy it's like a movie we're watching his name's like out of a movie sounds like he's out of a, he's a movie character
1: rob so, purdy yeah seriously it's like the scene in boogie <laughs> nights where uh, you you got uh burt reynolds sitting in the hot tub and he's like these are great names, guys, these are great names. And it really is. It's, it's a great name. Brock Purdy. I know. You can, a screenwriter would be proud to come up with a name like that. Great reference,
3: by the way. Thank you. Boogie Knights, Boogie yeah.
2: Um, given the fact that you now have a 70 inch, 77 inch screen to watch the games on, how big is the plush toy you throw at the screen when you need to?
3: I don't – my brothers in Florida will be texting during the game. So, so
2: you wouldn't do he's it got by a, proxy for him?
3: He's got figures. He's got figures and uh, little figures that he does that he flushes down the toilet. Last week it was a Seahawks figure and <laughs> the Niner. And then he'll – with Dallas, he's got a little little funny little figure. It was a Dallas jersey. He'll flush that down the toilet once, once they start to lose. He's got so many rituals. He, he builds
2: a shrine to the Niners in his house. Is he yeah. under supervision by any chance? Uh, he's what we call bipolar. <laughs> no, <he's funny.
3: laughs> he, he doesn't, you know, I sent him a thing. There's a guy in the parking lot at the stadium that I guess has a, a easy boy chair that he put on a, 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 a wheelchair that he can control and runs around. There's a lot of fanatics out there, so he he felt less lonely. Like, there's not something wrong with him. And what, what is your guy's theory? Because you do this. Like, well, why? Because I used to tell my wife it's all a reality show because she would be bored out of her skull. But then I'd say, you know, this guy just started. this This team hates this team for this reason. So it's all that. I mean, how do you explain it? It's your livelihood, right?
1: I keep on saying it's the only show on television that's an actual reality show. It's the only show that when it begins, they do not know the end. There won't be a producer influencing character development. There are good guys, there are bad guys. The beautiful thing is, I don't need to sell it to my wife. She grew up in the city. She went to Lincoln High School, and she's a diehard Niner fan. So she's got the boys in jerseys and is as ready to rip as anyone. I don't need to sell it. I don't have, honey. I need to work. Like she, she understands.
3: Imagine this. So my wife. Oh, the NBA. What's that? So in the early mid '80s, I said, "Well, there's this guy named Magic." Johnson and there's another guy named Larry Bird, and so she gradually got into that, and then was just fanatical about it because of the 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 dynamic between those two characters, you know. But yeah, it's uh, you know, I think Saturday Night Live just connected a little bit. Saturday Night Live, I think, was inadvertently a quasi reality show two ways. One is you have new cast members sometimes. And you're seeing, can they do it? They've never been on TV before. Like me, I'd never done sketch comedy when I was on. got on the show. The second one is you're seeing a football player or a hockey player try to do sketch comedy. So if they're kind of bad. So there is a reality show element to that,
2: you know, which is very interesting.
3: Um, I connected football and SNL.
2: I love it. Well, that's <laughs> that's why you make the big money and have a, have a house for every month of the year. Uh, how are you how are you playing out Sunday in your mind? Are you the kind of fan who is wildly optimistic no matter what, or have you spent the week trying to imagine scenarios in which Dallas breaks your heart? you
3: know i t- I trend that way a little bit because I'm kind of invested because I saw Brock's parents in the stands the first night and I see her mom up there going, "Come on baby, come on baby and then Brock, uh, last week's game, he throws a couple high, and I saw him mouth to himself, come on, Brock, to himself. So I'm fully invested emotionally, again, with Debo coming back and the whole team, you know, Kittle, so charismatic and, you know, the whole. So it's like a family. So sometimes I have a hard time. I kind of – sometimes I'll divert my eyes and then hear what happened. And it feels like every time I don't look at the screen – They do something good. I'm not saying I have influence over this game, but it's possible. It could be a science fiction movie. If I look away on like third and three, they seem to always do well. Sometimes I look at it, not so good. So
2: so then is it your moral duty to not watch the game at all? Yes. There you go. Or
1: just, just go to the bathroom when they're in
2: the red zone because they're going to have to score here against Dallas this weekend. I'm the best 49er fan ever. I haven't seen a game since 1997.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I watch it and I will look at it and I, 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 I don't. I didn't follow exactly what was going on with Tampa. I know they're a 500 ball club, but I don't know who was injured. But Dallas looked awfully good against. Tampa Bay, you know. And so we'll we'll see. They they're a little scary just because of how physical they are and their quarterback can run. Um, but I don't like to get cocky, right guys? I mean, we've got these Hall of Famers everywhere, you know, it's like you know, we've got Bosa. It's a, it's such an all-star team. But, you know, an ankle injury, something happened It's it's the whimsy of all that stuff too that will make the game compelling. Um, no matter what happens,
1: stay healthy, you know. Christian McCaffrey. Between now and the end of the year, and this team, oh, could... McCaffrey.
3: I, I, have you guys? I mean, there's something magic about the way he runs. I mean, there's runners as good as him, but there's something about the way he accelerates, he pauses, the way he protects the ball. That guy it's freaky. How we got him in the middle of the season?
1: He's special. Uh, it's it's one of the greatest. Hey, I knew he was good, but until you watch him every day every game you don't understand how good he truly is we all knew he was good when he was with the panthers but i don't think anyone really realized that he was this level of nfl good of course he played at stanford but nobody really talks about stanford anything but man it, it is amazing how good he has been dana carvey has been awfully good to us. Thank you for all the time. Can we, can we spend a little bit more time with you? Because I, we we got no rules here. We're on the stream. We we, we can just do whatever. I have, we a,
3: want. Few, I have a few minutes. Sure.
1: Uh, uh, I I gotta ask you, a couple of years ago, you and Mike Myers, you're you're doing Super Bowl spots. How cool yeah. is it to watch yourself in a Super Bowl commercial while you're watching the Super Bowl?
3: <laughs> uh, kind of surreal. I mean, you know what what was it three or four years before with Aaron Rodgers, Kevin Dillon, and I did Hans and Franz for the Super Bowl? Yes. So then, then, then we get the uh, Wayne's World one. I'm trying to think what would be, you know, Church Lady maybe two and Cinderella. You can't have a character like, well, well, well. <laughs> you know, we drink our alcohol. Great. You know that's not going to fly. So, but yeah, um, you know, life is. Uh, Surreal for everybody, I'd say. For me, being from San Carlos, Bay Area, College of San Mateo, San Francisco State, barely middle class, that to even get on television was just crazy, and to get on Saturday Night Live. But I remember with George Bush Sr., my friend, hanging out with him, and he said to me once, he goes, "I can hardly believe I was president. You yeah, know, seems kind of like a fevered dream." Didn't know what I was doing.
1: No, I just, okay, I gave you a little taste of that. <laughs> oh, we're drinking it up. This is amazing.
2: I was hoping it was an actual quote. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but uh,
1: yeah, Dana, I got to tell you, I I am a a huge Saturday Night Live fan. I, I read the books. I I watched every documentary around it. it. To me, it's one of the most important and greatest shows in the history. Of television and specifically during your time period and and you alone and I'm not trying to butter you up you know I'll take it (laughs) I, I really mean it I think you're the single greatest Saturday Night Live cast member I've ever seen in terms of just crushing it episode after episode week after week quotable the the most quotable level of Saturday Night Live characters that I had walking into high school the very next day and this this absolutely has to do with my age at the right time because you know everyone who's 14 15 and 16 watching saturday night live is assuming that this is the greatest era of saturday night live but i've gotten older and i've researched the old eras too i think you truly did that cast with you and dennis miller and love it i think that is the high water mark of the entire what is it near 50 year run of the program now
3: Three more years to 50. Well, that's very nice of you to say. I had a lot of, there's a lot of Wednesday to that, too. But coming in with Phil, God rest his soul, we didn't know we would have a full-season pickup that year. It was eight shows. So they said if we don't hit the ground running, they're going to pull the plug, believe it or not, because 85 was a rough year. And then the church lady was just something I did as part of my stand-up. I wasn't, you know, Mr. Church Lady, but put the dress on, did the thing. No one thought it would work, and boom. And then I, that was It was at home base, which is a huge advantage, right in the center of the studio. And I had Sean Penn on, and then Phil and and Jan Hooks were doing characters. It was like a perfect thing that happened to me. I got a lot of leverage from that early on. So I wasn't... It still took me 80 shows to relax, but I think by 90 to 93, we had Sandler and Farley and Spade and Chris Rock. It's still, for one more year, we had Dennis, we had Phil, and then Mike Myers came in. We had kind of a a pretty potent, if you think of it as a sports analogy, we had a very good team, a lot of weapons in those
1: three years. It's like Bosa, Armstead, Kittle, uh, Fred Warner. It was an all-star team. It certainly was. Um, You know, there's always warm memories that are attached to your childhood. And the hardest I think I've ever laughed with my mom and dad at the same time was an old hbo special and it's the first Mm -hmm. time we saw chopping broccoli and Mm -hmm. look if you have to explain a joke by definition it doesn't work but sometimes jokes that do work like cannot be explained and this brings me to chopping broccoli like that is one of the funniest things i have ever seen and if you then tried to explain it to someone you'd sound absolutely crazy why does why did Choppin' Broccoli work? Why did that become an iconic comedy routine?
3: It's one it's one of the more mysterious things, but all I can say is I did it at the end of my first show. The premise was the character I we gave him a name, Derek Stevens, I'd done it in my stand up. The premise was a rock star out of inspiration. The Gorney Weaver and Phil Hartman were the record executives. And then they he was pressured to do his new song. So he's cold as ice, Dice, it's all that kind of horner, you know, and then he's so out of stuff, he gets to chop broccoli, and really works. She chop, she chop. So it's, it's so ridiculous. I know, I don't know what sports announcer, but at least in the recent past, when there was a home run, there was one sports announcer, and he's chopping broccoli. I don't know. Who that was on ESPN. Kenny Maine. It
1: had to have been Kenny Maine. That just feels like something he would have done. Did you workshop no, like it. Did, did you workshop other vegetables? Did you arrive at Broccoli, <laughs> or, or was that the, the go-to vegetable the entire time?
3: I had it going kind of at the other cafe, Carl and Cole. Uh, there was a little piano there. And then down, I was down at L.A. at the Improv, there was a piano there. And I think between those two locations, somehow Broccoli came out and Chopping Broccoli And just stay there. But, you know, for me, seeing Steve Martin in the 70s or George Carlin, there weren't many jokes. I mean, Steve Martin would do rhythms and stuff. I try to wonder where that came from. Or Monty Python. Um, The absurdity of it, since there's no real joke, it can just extenuate, you know. So I I, I really don't know, but I do like rhythms and catchphrases. You know, I, I, I can't really write jokes. It's just not in my my wheelhouse, but I do love extending rhythms like, you know, it's just because I always, when I do Biden, I always finish with Pirates of the Caribbean. He always finds his way to Pirates of the Caribbean. He <laughs> says, time time. first he whispers, then he yells, it's time for the rich, to pay their fair share. share. We've got to pay share, of Sharon stone, a tombstone, Pirates
1: of the Caribbean. Dana Carvey oh, inflation. <laughs> Dana Carvey. I got one serious question. Because children of athletes have the burden of like living up to their parents' reputations and careers. Does it work like that for comedians? Was there extra pressure on the Carvey boys to be funny in their lives?
3: You know what? They were all funny. I think Scott's the funniest of us. Brad, who I base Garth on, the guy that tucks like this, I could invent a nuclear bomb with a paperclip. You know, that guy, hysterical. My sister, it was a funny, rough-and-tumble baby boomer family, 1,500 square feet, one bathroom for all the kids, and goofy TV shows of the 60s and 70s. You know, Batman, you know, Wild Wild West. A lot of fighting, a lot of screaming. You know, we go to Montana every summer, you know. Just do crazy stuff. So crazy family.
1: The podcast is is fly on the wall. I know that you guys interviewed Lauren Michaels talking about the famous Bill Murray Chevy Chase feud. Did you learn anything about that during your uh, interview with Lauren?
3: Oh, that was, um, yeah. We and I think other people talked about that. Lorraine Newman, I think, talked about their their feud and Chevy leaving, and they're both giant people. And I guess it was just, you know, they got in it. <laughs> but, Lauren, it was such a thrill to get him to do it, because he doesn't do a lot of stuff like that.
1: No, he really no. doesn't. Uh, well, He's a very good character. Yes. That's the poll <laughs> Dana Carvey has. You and David Spade, the Fly in the Wall podcast. You and Spade are doing something at the Largo at the end of the month, aren't you, down in L.A.?
3: Yeah, we're going to do a live podcast with our friend Will Farrell, one of the all-time greats of SNL. Yeah. That would be
1: fun. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. I wish I could be a fly on the wall for that one. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I got to be covering the Niners. Hopefully, you know, going to the Super Bowl or maybe that's a bye week. Yeah. Maybe maybe you can leave a couple tickets and and uh, Ray and I will come on down <laughs> and and heckle you and 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 do an interview that was probably 33 minutes longer than you had signed up for. Dana, thank you it's so much right. Thanks, guys. for joining us. This was an awful lot of fun. We enjoyed it.
3: I appreciate it. All right, go Niners.